didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney. And you are listening to Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, going back through every single episode of the series Stranger Things, starting with episode one, which we've already covered all of season one. We are now on to season two, episode three, titled The Polywog. And Colin is here with our summary. The third chapter of Stranger Things 2, titled The Polywog, debuted on Netflix on October 27th, 2017. It was written by Justin Doble and directed by Sean Levy and has a runtime of 51 minutes and 10 seconds. We begin late on Halloween night, 1984, as Dustin walks in the door with a little slug-like creature in his ghost trap. He temporarily evicts his turtle, tosses the thing into his terrarium, and names him Dart. The next morning, Thursday, November 1st, over at Hopper's cabin, Elle is still miffed at Hopper for showing up late, and then gets even more upset when Hopper says it's still not safe, after almost a year, for her to go see Mike. Through flashbacks, we see how Hopper brought Elle to the cabin and gave her three rules to stay safe. Over in the buyer's world, Bob gives Will a ride to school and tells him about Mr. Baldo, a creepy clown that used to haunt his nightmares. Bob tells Will that he needs to just stand up to his fears and that everything will be okay. Dustin, after stealing his curiosity paddles from the library, arrives at school and tells the boys and Max about Dart. Later, just as he's about to tell Mr. Clark about it, Mike and Will run in and stop Dustin. Will knows it's a creature from the Upside Down. But before they can do anything about it, it escapes and starts squirming through the school halls. Over at the high school, Nancy and Jonathan decide to tell Barb's mom the truth about everything and arrange to meet her in person the following day. Hopper, meanwhile, has figured out that the lab is somehow to blame for the Great Pumpkin Conspiracy and convinces Dr. Owens to run some tests. While back at the cabin, Eleven is fed up and decides to brave the great outdoors. Eventually, she makes it to the school where she sees Mike and Max together. She force pushes Max off her skateboard and runs away. At Bob's suggestion, Joyce watches the video that Will took on Halloween and sees a shape that looks very much like the shadow monster in the background. Back at school, Will finds Dart, but then flashes back into the Upside Down. He wanders outside and decides to take Bob's advice, yelling at the shadow monster to go away. Instead, the monster jams a smoke tentacle inside Will, and, well, that's the end of Chapter 3. That ending. Ugh. Yeah, that'll kind of that'll kind of grab you by the teeth and shake you around a little bit, right? It, it just... I know we say this, but it just was not, I was not expecting it. Like it literally takes over every orifice in his body. Yeah, it it does. Not not a, not a fan of how it looks. So before we go any further, do you want to, do you want to get homework out of the way first? So we don't. So we're doing this so that, so that Colin doesn't answer all of my questions with his, with his chatter before we actually get to my questions. (laughs) So are you ready for your homework? You're late again. I had to get catch up homework. I'm ready. All right. Number one. What soda is Bob drinking when he has lunch with Joyce on the bench? He's drinking Dr. Pepper. Good call. Good, good call. Correct. Out of an old can, though it had the little flippy top as opposed to the pull off top. But factually, that's kind of correct because those kind of got started getting phased out in like the early 80s. So it's. It's okay. Yes, that's exactly why it made it into my question. Yes, Dr. Pepper is what uh, 
I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? It's probably my favorite kind of, I almost said kind of Coke, which is a very Southern thing to say. It's my favorite kind of Coke. Uh, Okay. Sorry. Number two, which medical mystery is Mr. Clark teaching about when Dustin rushes in to science class very late? Yeah, it's the guy with the... uh... Crowbar. It was, it was called the crow. It's Phineas Gage, and it was the crowbar case, but it wasn't a crowbar. It was like a metal rod from. He was like a uh, like a railroad worker or something was, like that. Or good call, good good call. Yeah, yeah. It was a railroad pin. Yes. Okay. There you go. Or whatever it's called. Yeah. Maybe that's not the right word. But yes, Phineas Gage. Okay. And he was called the crowbar case, even though it wasn't a crowbar. Okay. Okay. Number three. What. Does Steve's friend refer to Billy as when he comes to get him back in the game? Oh, the pure, the pure fuel, dude. It was, it was the same guy from the Halloween party. Yes. And he's also, he's also in fear street. Oh, he's He's, he's the guy. Yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. No, Mm -hmm. he's around in the corner. He's like pure fuel. Uh, He calls him a douchebag. Does he call him a douchebag? He does. He does. Good call. Good, good call. And I learned while looking up questions for this episode, douchebag was not a commonly used term in 1984. It didn't come around until the 2000s. Really? Yeah. Hmm. According, according to the trivia that I read. Yeah. I, I buy it. I don't, I don't really remember when I started saying it <laughs> or when, yeah, when I, it entered I, I the zeitgeist, but yeah. Okay. All right. Your final question of the week. What? Are hoppers three rules? Don't get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. <laughs> no, wrong 80s. <laughs> Keep the curtains closed. It's like the last one was like, don't go out during the day or don't, don't, don't go out period or don't go out. I think it's don't go out during the day. And then the second one, I'm doing them out of order, but the second one was the secret knock. Don't open the door unless you hear my secret knock. The, the don't be stupid rules they were the don't be stupid rules and i'll go ahead and give it to you even though the last one is don't go out alone ah. and he says specifically don't go he goes but also never go out alone especially during the day well i don't think he was taking her out anywhere so you know who's she gonna go out with well <laughs> turns out she doesn't <laughs> need anybody to go out with <laughs> but all right not too shabby sir okay all right, now we can just talk freely. <laughs> yep, now you don't have to worry about like spoiling my questions for the All week. All right, so let's start with the turtle because this is really funny. I saw it when I was kind of um, researching the episode. Somebody on Twitter tweeted to the Stranger Things folks and said, whatever happened to Yertle? So this, <laughs> the Stranger Things writer's room tweeted out in November oh. of 2017, Yertle the turtle is safe. He's here with me. We're scrolling through Twitter together. He's trolling. <laughs> he's trolling cyberbullies. It's a great time. So, <laughs> so now we know what happened to Yertle the Turtle. The do you follow that account? It's a great. Yeah, account. I do actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's if you are listening and you want, they actually haven't been updating that much lately, just because I get obviously they're busy. But right. uh, they uh, they've got some really like funny, cute tweets yep. that I enjoy. So D'Artagnan, not one of the three musketeers. Wait, are you saying D'Artagnan is not? D'Artagnan was the fourth musketeer. He kind of came in at the end. <gasps> yeah. 
the three musketeers oh, are uh, Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. I think are the three musketeers. But D'Artagnan became their friend and joined the joined the core of the three musketeers. He wasn't even a real three musketeer. Nope. And he wasn't on. He, of course, obviously, the candy wrapper has Athos and Aramis and Porthos on it. But you know, whatever. I, it does. Yeah. Yeah, the little wrapper. He mm-hmm. looks at the wrapper, and you can see that there's the three. There are three musketeers, kind of in the logo of the three musketeers bar. So that's kind of. But he just picked. Yeah. He just happened to pick the fourth musketeer. But you know, it works as a name because you're not going to call a creature Port or Aram or. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Did you notice the little, um, and this is probably like, we've talked about the 8 million different movie references, but this is probably my favorite one when Dart escapes and he's scampering out of the room. If you listen very carefully, you can hear the Gremlin, the Gremlins theme song being played. Yeah. I, I, I had heard that, but I don't, I don't know that I'm not a big Gremlins fan. First of all, oh, um, I like Gremlins, um, but I don't. I don't know the theme well enough to go. Oh, Gremlins theme. No, I mean. Now I now I know it. Okay. No, that was I. I I saw in a there was a Vanity Fair article that came out that said that sound designer Craig Hennigan, who we've talked about before, said one inspiration for Dart that some viewers may have already noticed is Gremlins. Uh, and though the Duffer brothers themselves never mentioned the film to Hennigan, the 80s classic came to mind instantly. And I'm just quoting the article, perhaps because like Dart, Gizmo and his buddies were also cute creatures that quickly turned demonic. But the big question was, what would we actually sound like? So Hennigan's, um, Hennigan had a bit of help, he said, from sample visuals, 10 second clips of Dart at each stage in his evolution. He knew from the script that Dart would befriend Dustin as well, but what he, what he needed was a personality. So there was from there on, it was like a process of trial and error with Hennigan recording himself making noises and vocalizations and then distorting them until he had the right sound. Sometimes he'd make noises while gargling water to give Dart's voice a slimy, wet quality. And another processor added a tremolo to Dart's voice, giving it an almost vibrating quality. So that's that's where they came with the... Uh, the sounds and I'll, I'll post the uh, link to the uh, it's actually a good article it's it's full of some spoilers um you know for can for, you call them spoilers well for people who haven't watched the show there are there are a couple spoilers in the article for people that know the show don't worry about it i'll post a link and you can read all you want so i have an issue with with dart anyways because why would they bring this cute little slimy creature into my life and me be like oh Dustin's got a new friend for them, for him to only be from the upside down. But it's not cute. At no point in its evolution do I look at that thing and go, that is a cute little thing. When it crawl, when it's scared behind the toilet and it it's nervous and Dustin tries to go get it. It's still not cute. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go near that thing if I had like a beekeeper suit and chainmail gloves on. Well, you're not a white woman who loves dogs because I would. <laughs> <laughs> be like come here little guy and come live with me i'm a white woman who doesn't love dogs so i don't know but yeah <laughs> um yeah no but i mean yeah, every, you know and a couple articles said that too there was a cute little character and i'm like he's not at all cute but you know that's that's just me i guess so the the dart storyline upsets me 
ultimately. So Hopper leaving the Egos in the snow at the end of episode eight last season. Yes. We kind of see how it all started, but we don't know exactly how it started. Right. But I read, I think it was on Reddit, and one person postulated that perhaps, and it makes a lot of sense to me, the hunter who was knocked out by the log by L. The dead squirrel. (laughs) Would have presumably gone to the cops and said, hey, there's this bald little girl out in the wilderness wandering around and she somehow telepathically threw a log at me at which point hopper would have known exactly who he was talking about and that's probably why he leaves the egos there for her wait so we think that when she throws i guess her hair was still really short then wasn't it right because so this is taking place between the time you know second week in November when she blew up the Demogorgon in the classroom and then the flash forward, which I think was Christmas Eve, but some people say is earlier in December, but I think it was Christmas Eve. Um, when we see Hopper leaving the police Christmas mm-hmm. party and then going out and leaving the Eggos. So there's about a month, maybe a month plus in there where, okay. where you, where Elle would, would have been wandering around the woods where she killed the squirrel where she built the fire, where the hunter came and she hit him with the log and stole his jacket. And presumably he would go to the cops and say, hey, crazy short haired girl just hit me with a log, stole my jacket. And then Hopper would know pretty much where she was, you know, well, where were you? Well, I, I was know. always out in the woods over here. And so he starts leaving. I mean, it makes as much sense to me as anything else, I guess. I agree. I, I In my head, she killed the, that guy. I don't know why. Well, um, I thought she killed that hunter. Um, <laughs> Maybe she just knocked him out and he went to the cops. I just assumed, I I just assumed she killed him. <laughs> but anyway, so it leads us to the triple decker ego extravaganza, which I thought might have been your trivia question, but that's okay. Uh, that I was going to ask what it was what called. What it was called, yeah. I almost did. And then I thought, surely he'll mention this in his recap. So, <laughs> <laughs> so near as I could tell, I kind of freeze frame on it. It was Reese's Pieces, Hershey's Kisses. Egos, obviously. It looked like whipped cream. I thought it might be a marshmallow fluff, but it, it moved a little bit too much to be fluff. So I think it was whipped cream. And then it looked like Mike and Ike's. Like, yes, there was like some sort of jelly bean or yeah. something on there. Nasty. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, a little bit. But there was a, a line in there where Hopper said he's making progress with these people. And it probably won't be long. You're going to see him soon. You're going to go see Mike soon. So which people is he making progress? And what is he doing to make progress with these people? Well, I think he's just lying to her. I think he's just like. I don't know if he was talking about like Owens at the lab, you know. Maybe, but he's still lying to her because he's never mentioned her to them. No. He could never mention. How could he mention it to anyone? Because he's not even willing to tell Mike or her friends that she's back. He's not going to tell. I mean, he could, maybe he means I'm trying to get this guy's trust or trying to see if he's trustworthy and then I'll talk to him about you. But that doesn't even make sense because he knows what they're doing. Yeah. Cause so. there, there's that whole line, you know, about when he was talking to Murray, not that, not that Murray and Owens are the same people or that, you know, they're running, the mm-hmm. same, but you know, when Murray was talking about the Russian spy and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, have you heard the story about the guy in the red suit that hands out presents at Christmas? 
So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's not telling him, but I just I just thought it was an interesting line that I kind of, you know, it's one of those ones where you, you don't even you think about now you don't even pay attention until you see it at eighth or tenth time. And yeah. Well, I I think he's just trying to buy time until he can figure out how he can get her. I don't think he's intentionally trying to keep her away from Mike and everybody forever. No, I think I mean, no, just, I think he totally has her interests at heart and he knows, all, you know, the shit's going to hit the fan as soon as, you know, she pops up again and, and, and you know, everything's going to yeah. go crazy. So, yeah, I agree. So I, I don't know if he's just saying that to her. I mean, I understand her frustration and I kind of, I mean, I guess he's like so worried that something's going to happen, but I feel like I would probably try to figure out some way to let her, see mike and yeah dustin and them yep. but then again they're 13 year old boys can you trust them True. probably not and then we get the great flashback of hopper and her cleaning the apartment to you don't mess around with jim which i thought was just adorable which i completely forgot that they use that song this season i think of it completely relating to the third season oh really yeah mm-hmm. no yeah i just i just really remember i remember like l trying to use a broom and not knowing how to Oh my gosh. He has to come over and show her the broom. One of my moments where I was like, come on. <laughs> you know how to say Demogorgon, but you can't use a broom. And you you know, can't figure out how to use a broom. But you know how to kiss a boy. Come on. Yeah. 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 But I, I love that scene. I thought that was really cool. But uh, so going back to Bob and uh, Will in the car, in the Bobmobile on the way to school. And Bob. I was I was rewatching Beyond Stranger Things again, and they were talking. I think it was the last episode, episode seven, um, how they were. Will was supposed to be like completely possessed and evil by like the third or fourth episode, and was going to kill Bob off. Yeah, you mentioned this. Who who said this? The Duffer was, brothers. Was it? it was one of the oh, Duffers. Okay, one of the Duffers was saying it to the. I think Matt was talking, and Ross was like, "I don't even remember that." And Matt's like, "Yeah, totally." we were going to have will be evil and kill bob like, oh my gosh right then in the car when in the mr baldo scene they had said episode four but it was really episode three but this was a very very early draft so that was just kind of crazy i mean that <laughs> would have changed the entire tone oh absolutely yeah i mean i know that this i think this season is the darkest season but oh, it, yeah absolutely is yeah but the, even that that yeah. is like yeah. straight into oh absolutely yeah yeah but then we get bob telling the uh the pennywise story as i call it right you think they did that on purpose absolutely yeah well you especially think, like, especially with his voice would you like a little balloon you know the i mean that's that's very do you think that they because you know that the duffer brothers tried to get it i believe before it was given to whatever his name is who did it oh right yeah Oh, so to, just, to, to adapt know. it, you know, to buy the rights, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, to direct it or something. Yeah. They had some, they got turned down for it or something before, and this was before they got picked up for Stranger Things. Yeah, I think it was totally intentional because, I mean, they've been, it's not the first time they mentioned the clown because remember Joyce, when she had the poltergeist tickets to give to Will in the flashback. Yeah. And she's like, you're not scared of clowns anymore. And you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, huh. I th- I, yeah, I, I thought it was, I think it was a, Oh, for a while people tried to act like there was a connection between dairy and, and it and like Hawkins and stuff. And I yeah. was like, come on people, you're reaching. <laughs> I'd believe it. Um, so then we get Lucas and Max in a quick little scene and we finally find out how everybody wrote off will's disappearance because lucas says 
he um or max questions it was like you know the kid that was lost in the woods for a week so apparently everybody wrote off will as being lost in the woods um, yeah i mean he even said we had a funeral for him right yeah which maybe that's how joyce explained it to everybody could be and that's why she didn't go to jail about right. <laughs> defying the government right uh, and she had that article that she wrote yeah. For the, yeah so the boy who lived yeah the boy who lived how about the the great basketball scene with billy and steve um had no idea how to play basketball really hadn't played any basketball dacre montgomery hadn't um yeah played much basketball so if you watch that scene there's a african-american gentleman kind of coaching from the sidelines and that's bo bell who was a semi-pro basketball player who they actually brought to the set to teach dacre how to play basketball so they gave him the kind of the cameo in in the background there um but yeah, so Billy had really no idea how to play basketball, and they had practiced that that scene where he takes the ball and then he, and dribbles it under his leg or tosses yeah. it under his legs, and then yeah. th- and um, apparently as they were getting ready to film it, Dacre's like, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to put it under my legs and I'm going to score." <laughs> and everybody's like, "No, don't do it. Just just shoot a normal shot for God's sakes. We don't have for God's sake." Yeah. And then he did it, and he did it on the first take, and that's the take that they used. That he actually he actually made the basket. So that was kind of neat. Good for him. And just for the record, I would like you to know it throws me off every time you say his name because I always think his name is Dakre. 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 <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was Dakre. Yeah. When I heard yeah you know, something like and that. And it's but Dacre. It's Dacre. For sure. Like Acre with a D in front of it. Dacre. Yep. It's mm-hmm. Dacre Montgomery. Um, and then we get the the scene with. Nancy and Steve outside the gym where Nancy has no recollection of anything that happened the night before and was actually no. waiting for Steve to give her a ride to school in the morning. Yeah. Nancy <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah. You need to, I don't know. That was, I totally root for Steve in that, in that scene though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Nancy's, I don't know. She sucks this episode. <laughs> <laughs> she does. And then, so she's having lunch with Jonathan um, drinking her tab and eating Pringles on the roof of, or on the, on the hood of the car, which was actually, that was another thing that the Duffers mentioned. The scene was originally going to be set with them just kind of sitting uh, like in the, in the grass next to the school. But the um, Duffers, when they went to film it, they actually used to themselves sit on the car, sit on their car at school. So they decided to switch it to them actually sitting on the car. So neat little. Did you notice the, um, I guess we'll get to it in a minute, but the similarities between Muse and another famous oh, yeah. movie cat. Uh, yeah, Alien, Ripley's cat. I don't remember what was yeah, it. Yeah, Jonesy. Jonesy. Jonesy, right. I can remember his name. That's the alien cat, right? Jonesy. Yeah. I can remember Jonesy's name. Yeah. Yeah, so many of those movies I only saw once. So it's kind of. Like, You've only seen Alien once? I don't even know if I've seen it all the way through. I've seen it, you know, I've seen the whole thing you know, in various backwards and it's forwards. It's a very stuff, stressful movie. I don't remember ever sitting down to actually watch Alien. But I've seen the I've seen the monster come out of the stomach and I've seen the, you know, the ending and everything. So hmm. I was a very Neither. wimpy, wimpy child growing up. I didn't watch a lot of those kind of movies. <laughs> I think I saw Alien when I was like eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched no horror anything growing up. I mean, I, I watched Halloween for the first time like 10 years ago, I think. Because your mom wouldn't let you, or just because you weren't interested? I just wasn't interested. I just, I, mean, I still like don't. It wasn't, I still a, don't love it wasn't her, a thing. But no, 
at sleepovers like everybody's like let's watch a scary movie no we just watch comedies and stuff even in college and stuff we'd sit around we watch weekend at bernie's all the time i mean oh my gosh we couldn't wait to yeah no, hang I never, out and watch a scary movie no we never we never really did any scary movie stuff i mean i've seen a lot of them now obviously but and i but i, I mean i still won't watch you know or have no interest in watching like the conjuring and you know or you know those that kind of stuff i'm weird about it though because i watched all of fear street and i'm watching stranger things yeah. and i watched let me in i thought it was fantastic and that's like crippling terrifying but i thought it was a great movie the vampire movie yeah yeah, vampire? yeah. oh it's so good it is good. I wouldn't call it crippling, terrifying. Now, The Conjuring is very scary. Yeah, but see, I don't like like the jump scary kind of stuff. And that's there's that's kind of that. that's kind of the idea that I have that that is what that is. Oh, there's a lot in The Conjuring. Yeah, like The Nun and, and you know. And that, I don't like stuff like that. You but... know, that kind of stuff. So anyway. So I don't know. I spied with my little eye when Jonathan and Nancy come home after going to Radio Shack after blowing off fourth period mm-hmm. um, with their bag. Then we have no idea what's in the bag and won't until next week, but stay tuned for that. It looked like Karen was doing a little day drinking. Did you notice that? She had a little glass of wine. She was a little sucking on a little glass of oh. wine when they walked in the door. She's a Hawkins housewife. Can you blame her? Go, go back and check that out. She's married to Ted. It's at about 2.30 in the afternoon. Karen's got a little glass of wine already going. Well, I I mean, we'll get to it, but I wondered if they had a different route planned for Karen eventually, like, or before. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I don't know, but I, there's something that happens. We'll talk about it, but yeah. I just, I just thought that was interesting. It was, again, it was another one of those things that you just kind of. Maybe Holly was at preschool. She had the day off. Yeah. (laughs) Let's cut her some slack. Pop open the Pinot. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So Elle finally makes it out of the house. And I love the juxtaposition. Um, Again, Sean Levy directed this episode. You can kind of, there's just something about it when he directs an episode it's just it's just a little more polished looks a little better there's a couple kind of cool things going on but the Mm -hmm. editing and the and the filming of the scenes when hopper was going through the rules with her and it was juxtaposed with her breaking the rules so it was like never yes the curtains yeah curtains go up never go out unless you hear my knock locks you know she goes out i love that i thought it was just i thought it was really well done i did too and i I don't know this uh, we've said it 8,000 times, but this season's frustrating to me and I can't blame her for wanting to get out. Oh, absolutely. For wanting to break the rules. I mean, and Hopper kind of sucks sometimes where he's like, he says he'll be home. And then he's three hours late. Yeah. You know, he does stuff like that. And it's like, but you expect her to, to sit here. And again, this is, you know, going on a year that she has been in this. Yeah. And, and Millie Bobby Brown actually said in an interview that she, that this season was so boring for her to film because she was by herself the whole time. Right. She didn't get to be with her friends. Right. And I'm like, well, I don't blame her. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to Dart in the school and that whole thing, you mentioned the Gremlins theme, um, yeah. which was kind of neat. I, I liked the whole scene when they were talking and how they decided that he was from the upside down and well he can't be bad just because he's from the upside down and mike says that's just like saying everyone from the death star it doesn't make them bad yes yes, it does (laughs) (laughs) just because you're a nazi yes every nazi is bad it's every nazi yes everybody on the death star was bad everything from the upside down is bad those are you know those are my three rules 
Um, yeah. But I thought that was really cool. But they talked, uh, the Duffer brothers talked um, in the book, uh, World's Turned Upside Down, about how they filmed those scenes with, um, without obviously having a creature there. Um, and it says in the book that the creature that Dustin names Dart became a huge focus for the character and Gaten Matarazzo credits director Sean Levy for helping him find his way through his early scenes with baby Dart. Gaten says to help me get in depth with the character and to be emotionally connected with the character, Levy would make noises when directing because there wasn't anything there to work off of. They were using like a, a clay thing on a string, you know, so it was shaped like the shaped like Dart, but they pulled it on a string. Uh, yeah. And then in the scene when they were, um, when Max kind of passed it to Will and kind of, they had a marble, yeah. they had like a shiny marble and they were passing the marble around. Oh, the, you could see that the way yeah. that their hand motions are. Yeah. Um, so Gaten went on to say that Levy would make a noise that we both imagined Dart would make. And he would use that type of voice to direct me and to keep me on edge emotionally. <laughs> Essentially, Gaten says Levy was playing Dart. Um which I thought was cool. And, you know, it's cool, but also like, how could you keep a straight face? Oh, I know. But I, I just, I love everything I've heard about Levy's directing style. I think is really cool. Cause he, he was also, we've also mentioned before how he's used music. He kind of puts music on in the background when they're filming scenes and stuff. Cause they can go back in ADR and, you know, loop the audio and stuff. So, yeah. Um, so I thought that he was seems cool. like he's a great director for kids too, yeah. especially he yeah. seems like so hands-on that, yeah. The, the kids probably feel like super comfortable with him and he makes them, you know, feel at and home. I think, I think there was kind of a clout too, because I imagine the kids had seen the night in the museum movies and knew who he was. They probably right. didn't even know who the Duffer brothers were, but they probably knew who Sean Levy was and to yes. have him there and to know that he was an established director. Yeah. And, and think like, Oh, well, that's cool. Like this, I'm going to be working with this guy who did, you know, this movie, which I love. Yeah. And then actually following up right on that within the scene where Joyce kind of peels out of her driveway and the camera's behind the car <laughs> and the yep. car pulls out and the camera kind of pulls with it a little bit and gets all the dust on the lens. And mm-hmm. stuff. I thought, I thought yeah. that was a, that was neat too. So I know we've said that before. All, that brings us all to the final scene of, oh my God, Will um, <sighs> getting inundated by this monster. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Great, Bob. Not great, Bob. <laughs> um, it, uh, yeah, he, I know, I feel so bad for him because he's, he's doing his best. He just wants to connect with this family. He's in love with the mother. He wants her sons to like him. He wants to step in and be the dad that they never have. And honestly, his advice for the most part, and for probably 99.999% of other situations would be chef's kiss but for this one situation it's the one thing that causes will to actually become possessed by the shadow monster yeah it's like what joyce was talking back early on in the series and she's with hopper it's like what about the other one when hopper's like 99 times out of 100 the kid's just gone missing or he's a relative what about the other one yeah this well here it is this would be the other one bob this yeah, is the other I, one. I completely don't blame him. And I don't, you know, there's no malicious intent or anything. Obviously, no. he didn't know. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was funny that he just could not give worse advice, even though I it know. sounded like great advice at the time. So oh well. I the, I wasn't expecting that to, for it to go that way. I was like, oh, things have taken a turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does that do it for do you have any other stuff you wanted to bring up or mention? Or we got it. All right. Is it time for your call-in moment? Yes, let's do my call-in moment. 
the column moment this week comes with a visual aid, which I'll post up on our Twitter page of me on getting ready or getting ready to catch the bus on my first day of school in 1976, uh, when I was going to kindergarten. And in my hand was my speed buggy lunchbox, which incidentally is going for sale on eBay right now for upwards of $200. Oh my, do you still have it? No, of course not. (laughs) I think rusted out in 1978 and was replaced by, (laughs) well, probably Star Wars. I know I had a Star Wars one at one point. Everything was Star Wars for me when I was a kid. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just kind of a quick little thing. But when um, Will was walking into school after Bob dropped him off, all the kids are walking in and you see, you know, a, a number of them, like three or four kids all have lunchbox. And it just made me like instantly think of like, yeah, oh, yeah. Remember lunchboxes like metal? Oh, yeah. I had a Care Bears one. Yeah. So I just I just love lunchboxes. And then I immediately went flipping through my my old photo albums that my mom meticulously kept for us when we were kids my brother and I and sure enough and I'll post it up on our Twitter page there's a picture of me with my dog holding my little speed buggy lunchbox so and we'd also like to point out that he also has Will Byers haircut in this photo I wasn't going to mention that but (laughs) but if you would like to mention that that's fine yes I do I mean I don't have to mention it if you're going to post it on our social media you asked me you asked me like five or six episodes ago did you have Will's haircut I'm like no I never had Will's haircut oh but you did sir oh but I did ma'am yes Uh, so yeah not not a huge moment but it just made me like long for the days of lunchboxes because now I have like a little I know I have like an LL Bean kind of thermal thing that I you know I use or you know whatever I feel like they weren't very you know efficient at their job though lunchboxes no the thermos, no, those, the metal one. Yeah, yeah. The thermos was kind of cool, though. I like. I like. Oh the yeah, it came with the matching thermos. Yeah. And sometimes my mom would put like ABCs and one two threes in there. Oh, nice for lunch. Yeah, I think or mine was. I think mine was just always Hawaiian punch or something like that. But yeah, I mean, the problem was that the thermos took up half the lunchbox, and then yeah. it would kind of. If you got the good lunchbox where the thermos could kind of wedge in great but if you got like the lunchbox that the thermos was kind of flopping around it would squish your peanut butter and jelly sandwich and your oh. chips and then you just have messy lunch and thermos all over the place so i think mine might have had like a section that the thermos fit in. yeah some of them Maybe. you could kind of wedge in or that was kind of like a mm-hmm. it was just big enough like that, a it little... would, that it wouldn't wouldn't move around so so anyway yeah. so so there's my common moment the uh ode, ode to lunchboxes and will's haircut so we have a lot of music, um, and then we also have two locations to talk about. But I also had an idea for a new segment that I'd kind of call like little things or something like that, just like little mm-hmm. kind of incidental things that are kind of going on in the background that I don't even know were scripted at the time, but I just really liked them and they don't really fit in whatever we were talking about before. But yeah. like when Lucas is looking for Dart and he like, jumps up and karate kicks the door open it made me laugh so hard yeah it's just like a little thing that i don't even know is scripted i have a, i could per i could easily see caleb mclaughlin like doing that himself just yeah you know kind of having fun and doing it or when when they're in the police station and and hopper's heading out and he and flo just hands him the keys and doesn't say anything just she holds her hand up and yep. she's got the keys in and he takes he takes them out so i don't know if you would notice what a great working relationship <laughs> So I don't know if you notice any like little things in the episode or if you want to kind of do this as a segment going forward, but they're just like, like a half a dozen like little things in each episode that you just kind of glance right over and don't even, don't even notice. 
I was, I noticed there was one part where the, where Max is talking to Mike. It's right before Elle pulls her off the mm-hmm. skateboard, which is just, I don't know. It's real rude of her. I get it, but also just take a seat, Elle. Relax. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, and, you shouldn't know what kisses are, and you certainly should know what jealousy is. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. You should be like, oh, there's another girl. Maybe I can be friends with her. Right. No. So, anyways, I it kind of it just kind of tickled me where Mike's trying to be annoyed with her, but he's smiling at her as he's talking to Max. Like, right. and I know that's what Elsie's and, but I don't know if that was scripted or whatever, if it was just so like, it's just, it seemed so genuine when he was talking to her and she was smiling right. as she circled around him. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was cute. Oh, and then there was the bit, uh, the real quick bit when um, Joyce calls the school looking for Will and the receptionist. Oh yeah. <laughs> the receptionist kind of mouth. It's Joyce again. You know, it's kind of. Well, she kind of yeah, does this does whole the, like. It's Joyce and she's crazy and I have to deal with it. You know, yes. this kind of thing. So. Yeah. Um, and the fact that um, Elle had a Rubik's Cube on her nightstand. I didn't catch that. And the, <laughs> what's his name, Callahan? Yeah. The, he's walking, when Hopper's real mad and he's walking back and he kicks the door. Oh, right. Yeah. And Callahan, Callahan goes, yeah, you don't have to kick the door. Yeah. <laughs> just... Yeah. So, so just, yeah, keep an eye out for it. And we'll, we'll, we'll call it little things or something like that. Yeah. And... Yeah, and if you guys have any that you want us to mention in the upcoming episode, be sure just shoot us an email. Okay, let's do a little. Where in the world is? Okay, so I got two this week. Um, one is the Roan County Fair, which Bob mentions that he met um, Mr. Baldo at. Uh, spoiler: Roan County Fair features prominently in season three, so get ready for that. Um, Although I went back and looked at it and the gate when, you know, there's the scene of the, in season three, when yeah. going, it says fun fair. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm like, they don't call it Roan County fair. Cause I could have sworn they did. But then there's a later part where the mayor is standing on the stage and it says Roan County fair. So that is, oh. but it also says fun fair. So weird. But anyway, so, uh, so the Roan County fair, is it a real thing? If it is real, where is it? Or is it not real? I, I feel like I should know this because I feel like we've had Roan County. Roan County, we've talked about a lot. And Roan County is real and it's in Tennessee. Um, yes. And it's where the Oak Ridge National Laboratory is. Then I'm going to say it's real and it is a real thing because we here in the South love our county fairs. Well, you would think that. No, no. no. Absolutely not. Gosh darn it. <laughs> um, no, there's no Roan County Fair. Although... The business name, Roan County Fair, was trademarked in like 1997 or something, but it was dissolved in 1999 or 2000 or something. So it never, never amounted to anything. But yeah, there was what? never. So these people just have a county, but no fair? Well, they have a fair, but I was, guess they just don't call it Roan County Fair. I don't know. But there is no Roan County Fair, so to speak. So number two mm-hmm. is Forest Hills Park, which is where Nancy and Jonathan tell Barb's mom, Mrs. Holland, to meet them the following day. So Forest Hills Park, is it real? And yes, there are Forest Hills Parks all over the country, I'm sure. But Forest Hills Park, real, not real. And if it is real, where is it? And you can get this. I'm telepathically sending it to you. Is it real? It's in Indiana. No. 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 Absolutely not. It's in Georgia. No. Vermont. Oh, for heaven's sakes. 
Where Tennessee. Is, where is everything that the Duffer brothers have put in the show so far? North Carolina. It's in Durham, North Carolina, near Loch Nora and a couple streets over from Randolph and Curly. Yes. Shoot. Yeah. It was so yeah. close. Yeah. Forest Hills Park is on the outside of the highway from, from Loch Nora, but it's, it's, you know what? It's about 10 minutes from their house when they were growing up. So I think next week we should switch and you should give me homework and we'll do where in the world is on you okay mine are always hard <laughs> i was really trying to send it to it's yes it's real it's in durham yes it's real it's in durham <laughs> no okay i was like it's in indiana because that's where hawkins is nothing is okay. in indiana nothing we have talked about is in indiana <laughs> in real life nothing is in indiana right 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 it's either georgia or north carolina and occasionally tennessee so okay <sighs> Music. Okay. First song is Whistle on the River by the Mercy Brothers. This is playing in the car when Bob is in the Bobmobile taking Will to school. Came out in 1966, so that tracks and would certainly something that Bob would listen to. Never charted in America, but was number one in Canada on the Canadian country charts. A second song is You Don't Mess Around with Jim by Jim Croce. Came out in June of 1972 and around the same time as Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and Supertramp's first album, which were also in Hopper's Crate, reached number 38 on the charts. Next song, and this one kind of threw me for a loop when I first heard it, but it's because I thought it was contemporary, but it turns out it was actually not, is the song Go by Tones on Tail, which um, was playing in the uh, basketball scene, and it kind of blended between a couple scenes, but it was the song playing when they were playing basketball. And this is by Tones on Tail, came out in 1984, actually. And it was the B-side of their song, Lions, which they released. And this was kind of a side project of uh, Daniel Ash from Bauhaus. So um, I thought for sure that it was going to be like a 2006 song or something like that. But it was actually a 1984 song. So next song is Clean Cut American Kid by Ill Repute. Came out in 1982. And this is the song that is playing on the kids' Walkman when Nancy and Jonathan are talking and Nancy gets the idea to go to Radio Shack. Um, So that also tracks. And then the last song is Cookin' by the Al Casey Combo. And this is the song, if you listen very closely, is playing in the Muzak background when Joyce calls Bob at the Radio Shack to ask about her very tiny VHS tape. And it's certainly something, again, that Bob would be listening to. So, Cooking by the Al Casey Combo came out in 1962 and reached number 92 on the charts. All right, okay. on to superlatives. Let's wrap this thing up. Ooh. All right. For MVP, I had Dust. I had Gaten. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. This is really, this is kind of his episode. I mean, he kind of ran this episode from the beginning to the end. Yeah, the season know, really. two is almost like his season, almost. Yeah, yeah, you know, kind of. I think the Duffer Brothers knew what a what a find they had in in Gaten Matarazzo. Oh yeah, kinda, for sure. Kind of ran with it. So, uh, okay, best line. It's Dustin's line of. I 
need my paddle. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to go with that one. So I tried to think of something else just to um, find something. And I love the whole interchange with Dustin and Mr. Clark when he comes into class late. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dustin. Yes, my lord. Would you care to join the class now? Please. Yes. Case of Phineas Gage. Phineas Gage. Page 104. 104? 104. Focus. Focusing. Focusing. And I especially love that, the um, the yes, my lord. <laughs> and that was another one of those little things. I don't know if that was scripted or not, but it just fits so perfectly. I thought, yes, my lord. <laughs> well, he's so out of breath when he's coming in. He's just like, he just keeps talking as he walks yes. in. <laughs> focusing, focusing. Yes, focusing. Yes. We got it. Most spirited. What do you have? I went with Steve when he's playing basketball and his whole just uniform with the super short shorts and the super tall knee socks yes, and his very, hairs just yes. flowing and oh, the that's, that's That's one thing I didn't mention, actually. Dacre um, is wearing a wig, which I never realized. Um, really? Yeah. So Dacre, Billy's hair is fake, um, but Steve's hair is real. But yes, Dacre Montgomery, if you see him now, I mean, he's got very close cropped you know very stylish nice hair yeah um but yeah he was wearing a wig but the mullet is a wig well it's a good one okay so i went with and this is kind of bizarre and out there i could i almost went with the tab that nancy was drinking and i almost went with the walkman that the guy was playing in that scene but one that really kind of just stuck out to me was owens um owens's tie he had one of those knit ties with the squared off end you know, that was so popular yep. in the eighties, you know, not yep. the polyester tie that tapers to a point, nope. but the knit, the knit tie that was. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's not a, not a hugely, you know, noticeable thing, but I just, when I saw it again, um, I just thought it was just very eighties and very on point and totally something that Owens would wear. So, <laughs> all right. Last thing is most strangest. And I know where you're going to go. So you can go ahead and say it. Will being possessed by the mind flare. Yeah. Again, I thought you were going to say that. So I tried to come up with something too. And the thing that actually grossed me out more than that was when the freaking thing sprouted legs. Oh yeah. That was kind of gross. That was just, that was just like, Whoa, you know, it just like it, shot out. They shot out and there's like the A gross of, sound and, and then the goo, it's kind of like not <laughs> bloody, but like placenta kind of <laughs> goo. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was my, yeah, you're right. That's, that's, that's pretty gross. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that. Not at all. So, all right. So that uh, ties a little ribbon on the polywalk. Okay, that does it for this week. If you guys have any questions, concerns, <laughs> if you want to offer up some of your own superlatives, or like you said, if you notice some little things and you want to let us know for the next episode, we are doing chapter four, Will the Wise. So, We'll be back next week with that one. If you guys like us, you can always leave us a review on iTunes because iTunes rules all. And if you leave us a review there, it helps get us in front of other potential listeners. So that does it for this week. And I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.